Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Well, happy Mother's Day, all you moms. Can everybody else just, if you don't mind, if you'll just give them a standing ovation. If you're not a mom, sit down. If you're, if you're of the other, will you just stand and give them a God bless you. Listen, we wouldn't be here without you. We couldn't have made it without you. And I just want to say thank you because it, to me, I, I, I've said it many times before, one of the hardest jobs and one of the most thrilling jobs you'll ever have is to be a parent. And I've never been a mother, um, but I've watched a good one. And I've, matter of fact, I've watched a couple of good ones. My mother was a uh, wonderful uh, mother to put up with four kids, and she had three that were less than two. My brother was two. I was, my sister was one, and I was born. And she would always go to the store, and people would come up to her. She'd take all of us to the grocery store with her. And she would have men, random men, come up to her and ask her if they could help her do anything because of all the little kids that were hanging off of her. But I know this. I appreciate what you do uh, every single day. It's probably one of the most thankless jobs. Am I right, moms? But yet one of the most thrilling jobs? I'm not close at all, am I? That's good news because today a mom's going to come and talk to us about about Mother's Day. And she is one of my favorite, well, let me just say this. She's my favorite mother of all the mothers that I know because I get to watch her up close and personal. I've seen her love. I've seen her spank. I've seen her feed. I've seen her um, give grace. I've I've seen her sometimes give law. And I've seen her um, just love through the years. and, And she's my favorite mother of all the mothers in the world. But uh, would you give Miss Leanne, as she comes, a good God bless you today. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Can you say that with me? Children are a blessing from the Lord. I I sometimes feel, feel like we have forgotten that in our culture today. Psalms 127 and verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage. The uh, King James Version says blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Behold, children are a heritage, blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now listen, we're all friends here today, right? I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. I think you're a great mom. You think I'm a great mom. I've preached about four or five Mother's Day sermons since we've been at Bethel, and every one of them I've tried my very hardest to be very encouraging. Rah, rah, ree. You're a great mother. Today, we're going to play a little pretend, okay? Like your children play pretend, we're going to play pretend. Just pretend that your mother is standing up here talking straight to you. Okay, it's one of those moments, we call it a heart-to-heart in our house, and it's one of those moments where it's just straight, okay? I am very, very guilty of every one of the words that I'm going to speak today. These are not my words. This message came from the heart of God, not Leanne, okay? I have not been on Facebook creeping you to see if you've said some of the very things that I'm going to say. I do not have time for that. Okay, we pastor this great church. I have a great job. I have four great kids. I don't have time to check on you and what you're doing on Facebook. This is a word from God. It's not just from me. It's to me because I am guilty of everything that I'm going to preach about today. Okay, so we're all friends, right? We're all friends. 
not for long. (laughs) This is what I feel the word of the Lord is for us today as mothers. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. Being a mother is the hardest job you will ever do, but come on. Listen, in this culture that we have of social media, we have glamorized mom stress. We have glamorized, there's memes I just looked up, funny mom memes. Every one of them was derogatory towards being a mom or towards a child. Every single one of them. We, we have posts like this, I'm just keeping it real. Sometimes you need to just keep it real at home and for nobody else to see. I don't have that meme that says, I don't have ducks and they're not in a row. I have squirrels and they're everywhere. Mom hair don't care. The people who show up late rolling it on two wheels, those are my people. We've glamorized mom stress, and I'm going to tell you something that is not from God. Now listen, I don't have a fake bone in my body, and I'm not saying we got to walk out of here going, oh tiptoe through the tulips everything's great and wonderful I have throw up going down the back of my leg my kid had a blowout in that one of the moms on her way to church this morning her kid threw up all over the car okay I'm not saying that we got to be living pretend world like that's not real and like those things aren't real and like that it is not hard to be a mom because it is hard to be a mom it is the hardest thing you will ever do in your whole entire life it starts hard from the very beginning Skylar can I get Amen. It starts hard. The first thing you happens when you get pregnant, it starts hard. You start throwing up. You're sleeping all the time. This is how I knew I was pregnant with Hayden, first child. We went to Chet Carpenter's wedding. We were in the wedding. We came home, and I slept all the way home from Cave City. I do not sleep well, and I sure cannot sleep in a car, in a moving vehicle where seat belts and headrest. I mean, I got to have that's scary. I got to have the pillows just right. The stars have to be aligned. Music has, I mean, it has to be a ah, for me to fall asleep. I slept all the way home. I got home. I said, Carrie, I was 30, so I had a lot of friends who had had kids. I knew the routine. I said, I'm either dying or I'm pregnant. He said, like, which one do you wish there? <laughs> okay, so it starts off, starts off hard from the very beginning. It is hard until you draw your last breath. It's hard when they're a screaming baby and you don't know what to do with them. And your mother is there who had three kids and you're on grandchild number nine. And she said, I don't know what to do. Carrie went, <laughs> if you don't know what to do, we're in trouble here. It's hard from the very beginning until the very end. And I'm not saying... That we need to live like a June Cleaver, if you don't know who that is, look it up. Or a Carol Brady on the Brady Bunch. Or even Miss Huxtable on the, Co- on the Cosby Show. Where everything is just always together and we sit down for a nice family meal every night. And I'm a doctor and he's a doctor. And every, I, I'm not talking about that kind of life. I'm not even talking about the kind of life in the 50s where there was, a, this, is what, this is a clean house, clean kids, Hot meals and well-behaved children. That was a good mom in the 50s. A clean house, clean kids, hot meals, well-behaved kids. If you had a dirty house, you were a bad mom. If you had dirty kids, you were a bad mom. If you had a microwave dinner, they didn't have microwaves. They called them uh, TV dinners. If you fed your family a TV dinner, you were a bad mom. If you had wild kids, you were a bad mom. None of those things make you a bad mom. You knew it was coming, right? We've kind of swung the pendulum so far the other way. Let's revisit some of those things. 
A clean and organized house just makes your life easier. Really. If you'd just get off the phone and clean your house, it would make your house a little bit easier where you can find socks the next morning when everybody's trying to go to school. Home-cooked meals are cheaper and they're healthier. Stop taking your family out to eat every four, five, six times a week. It's cheaper to eat at home, right? It's cheaper and it's healthier. Well-behaved kids make your life easier. That's all I'm saying. And dirty kids, whatever. Raise three boys, whatever. But well-behaved kids make your, that's just home training. Listen, none of this is our measuring stick anymore. This is not our measuring stick, and I'm not saying we should go back to that. I am a good mom because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He makes me a good mom. I am not a bad mom, even when I do bad things. I'm not a bad mom, even when I say things. I told my Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago, I said something one time so ugly to Hayden Rosenbaum that I have laid in my bed at night and prayed that he would forget those words ever came out of my mouth because they were so rude and so hateful. And I don't bring it up to him. I'm sorry if you ever watch this, Hayden. I'll never bring it up to him because I don't want him to remember it because it was so awful. How could a loving and caring and godly mom say the words that I've said? In that moment, I'm a good mom because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because of the blood of Jesus, he makes me good. Not what I do, not those good hot Um, home-cooked meals every night, not because I studied JBQ, not because I was sweet and kind, not because we went to the park, not because I had a good photo op. I am a good mom because of what Jesus did. Outside of him, failure. Inside of him, I am whole, and I am well, and I am good, and I am complete, and I am everything my kids need. I am everything they need. Listen to me. Women were created with a purpose. Our insides are not the same insides as a man. God, in his infinite wisdom, in his amazing creativity, he designed the insides of me for one purpose, and that was to bear children, to bring life into this world, to multiply mankind. Our bodies are unique. They are creative. They are beautiful. If we never do anything else great for Jesus, bringing life into this world is enough. That's what we were created to do. That we were not created to run a Fortune 500 company. We were not created to be the president of the United States. Girl power, and the greatest place you can find girl power is through childbirth. That's the greatest place. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I teach my daughter. She came home the other day saying, she's reading Sarah Huckabee's book. I want to be the chief of staff to the first lady of the United States. My words to her, why stop there? Just go and be the chief of staff to the president. Why the first lady? Go and be, I believe in all that. Teach your girls and get your education and do everything that you want to do for Christ. Do it. I believe in all that. But if you never did anything else but give birth, you have created the greatest purpose that you were uniquely and creatively designed by God the Father to do. Give birth. It's our greatest calling in life. What an amazing God. Listen, when he designed us, when I was in my mother's womb, he was putting ovaries and fallopian tubes and a uterus all together so that I could eventually give birth. And then for 40 weeks inside of my body, he created life four times. Inside of my body, he created another human being with their own DNA, their own fingerprint, their own soul, their own personality, their own talent, their own desires, their own drive. Can you just imagine the face of God 
inside while that person is growing inside of a mommy's belly. Can you imagine how proud that makes him? All the thought, all the care, all the design, all the creativity into that one person inside the mom's belly. Can you just imagine the smile on his face? All the gifting that person has to offer the world. Can you imagine how happy that makes God? And then they come out and we complain and complain. As moms, this is so hard. I'm just keeping it real. We gripe about the one thing that he has taken so much pleasure in making, in creating, in designing. And all we have is negativity. Let's go back to our scripture. Psalms 123, this time verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Don't you like rewards? Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Don't forget that. Shall speak with their enemies in the gate. But let's talk about happy. When's the last time you've really been happy being a mother? When is the last time you've woke up going, today I get to change diapers? Woohoo! <laughs> today I get to drive kids to school and throw in on two wheels. Happy. When's the last time you've been happy with your grown kids? who do not do what you think they ought to do, who do not go to church where you think they ought to go to church, who do not raise their kids the way you think they ought to raise their kids. When's the last time you've been happy with your grown kids, with your grandkids? Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. I want to take a side note. Shall speak with their enemies in the gate. My children validate me. I validate them their whole life, but my children validate me. The proof's in the pudding. See, not everybody's going to agree with the way you raise your kids. Not everybody's going to agree with you dragging them back to church on Sunday night so they can be in church, so they can be in the altars, so they can hear sister so-and-so pray and brother so-and-so pray. Not everybody's going to agree that you make them study JBQ. Not everybody's going to agree that you raise well-disciplined children. I had this friend. People, let me say this, people will mock you. They will make fun of you. They will talk ill of you. They will roll your eyes at you when you have raised godly kids or when you are raising godly kids. I had this friend in one of the towns that we pastored in, and I was telling her about um, a situation with one of my kids. I can't remember which one. He kept running in the street, and so I finally just went out there and beat his butt right in the middle of the street. This is a no-no, and I tore his butt up right there in the middle of the street. This is a no-no. Guess what? He quit running in the street. It's that easy. <laughs> it's just that easy. He quit running in the street. She said, well, I have never had an episode like that with one of my children. What I didn't say, <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> oh, we can tell. You didn't have to tell us that. We know because you have a terror who does nothing that you ever tell him to do. Actually does the opposite. But the proof is in the pudding. When you raise your kids this way, what this book says, this book says train up a child. They do not come into the world knowing how to behave. It is your job to teach them how to behave. And when you raise them this way, 
When you talk about the, when you take Deuteronomy 6 to heart and you talk about the Lord and you tie it around their wrist and you hang it on the doorpost and you talk about it when you walk, you talk about it when you sit down, you talk about it everywhere you go. Let me tell you something. This is how you raise kids and not everybody's going to agree with that. But eventually your kids will speak for themselves. And guess what? They may speak to the very enemies of your parenting. They may speak. See, this particular person, well, she thinks very highly of my children. Let me just say that. She thinks very highly of my children, and the proof's in the pudding. She made fun of me. She laughed at me. She rolled her eyes at me. We were in community. We were in relationship in that town. She made fun of me all the time for the way I raised my kids, but now she honors my kids. My kids have a relationship with her. She thinks they're wonderful. This summer's just going to move on. But husbands, before you get too excited about me t- telling your wife to stop complaining, because I heard somebody say amen when I first said that, and it was a deep voice like this, so I'm sure it was a man. Help your wife. I know this is not Father's Day, but come on. Help your wife do the dishes. It's not going to kill you to do the dishes more than once a year. It's not going to kill you to vacuum the floor. It's not going to kill you to get up in the middle of night. Well, I have to go to work. Well, what do you think she's doing all day? (laughs) She ain't laying around taking a nap. She's working too, just maybe not at a job somewhere. Or if she is, even more reason. Help your wife. Now, let's move on because I just added that in in purple ink up there. Uh, Why do, that was probably me, not the Lord. (laughs) Why do we complain? Why do we complain so much? We're tired, we're stressed. We're worn down. Why? 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 I'm glad you asked. Right here in this book, there is no recorded scripture of a mom complaining about her children. I looked. I looked it up. I Googled it. I racked my brain. I asked people smarter about the Bible than me. There's no scripture, no recorded scripture of a mother complaining about motherhood or about her children. Now, I'm sure it happened. Listen, you got women in a group together at the well, they're griping. They're complaining. You know the rule? I heard this from a man. Whatever woman is not in the room is the woman being talked about. That's awful. How embarrassing on our gender. That's what we do. That's what men think about us. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm sure that women complained. I'm sure they complained about uh, motherhood and raising kids and -and so-and-so didn't sleep last night and -and so-and-so threw a fit. I'm sure they did. But God thought so little of it that he did not record it. God thought so little of a woman's complaint that he did not record it. Now, why do we complain? Why are we stressed and torn down and worn down and worn out? I'm glad you asked. We've bought the lie. We believe the lie. There's two of them I'm going to talk about today. First of all, we live in a postmodern and post-Christian world. Fewer people attend church. Fewer people call themselves Christians now than ever before. So we've bought the lie that our kids are supposed to be the center of our universe, that our kids are supposed to be the center of our homes, that everything revolves around the kid. And here's how I know we've bought this lie. I bought the lie. And I'm a mean mom, and I've always been a mean mom. I was raised by a mean mom. But somehow I bought the lie that my kids were supposed to have everything they want, do everything they want, go everywhere they want, be everything they want. Everything in my existence was to make my kids happy. And Carrie was talking to his mom one day, and she said, Carrie, you and Leanne 
have, have, you do a lot of things right, but you've done this one thing wrong. We lived in Newport. She said, you've made your kids the center of your life, and that is not how it is supposed to be. And that is why you're tired and stressed all the time. That made me so mad. Well, my kids are supposed to. Maybe if she had to put her kids before. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, we got so mad we had to go to the track. We went to the track, and I ran that track, and I was so mad. And how dare she? And by the time I finished running, the Holy Spirit had gotten in my heart. She is right. The child is not the center of the home because the child is not the center of the world. And when the child goes to kindergarten and finds out they're not the center of the world, it's not pretty. We have spoiled kids, kids who don't know their place, kids who are running all over you. The tail is wagging the dog, so of course the dog is worn out. If my dog's tail was wagging Cooper all over the place, well, of course Cooper would be worn out and stressed out. I'd have to put, give him shots or something. Why is it important for our kids to obey us? I'm glad you asked. Because when they obey us, they are obeying God. Because Ephesians 6, 2 says, Children, obey your parents, for it is right. That is why we do not, dis- we do not um, ignore disobedience. When you tell your two-year-old, no, no, and they go back to it, you better pop that hand. If you do not, you are teaching them they do not have to obey you, and they- therefore they do not have to obey God. And you are sit- setting their soul up for destruction, eternal destruction. Not just destruction here. Not just they're not going to be able to keep a job because they do what they want when they want. I'm talking about their soul's going to burn in hell. When you don't teach them to obey you, when they disobey you, they are disobeying God. There's the three Ds. This is the behavior you start dealing with birth to five years old. You get that right, I'm not saying it's going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be smoother sailing. Defiant behavior, like my niece, Courtney, when she was in church, and she was about two or three, and my brother's up here preaching, and my sister-in-law sitting in the back. She had two kids, too, and she kept telling Courtney, kept running out in the middle of the aisle and dancing to get her daddy's attention. And Dana kept telling her to stop and kept telling her to stop, and she said, I'm going to tear you up if you walk out in that aisle one more time. So Courtney inched to the end of the aisle, and she stood there and looked at her mom, and she went. That's defiant behavior. Dana picked her up, took her out the back door, tore her up. Brought her back in. Don't take your kids out, spank them, then let them play. They win. Brought her back in and made her stay within that aisle. Disrespectful behavior. Birth to five years old, get a hold of it. Then you don't really have to, you probably won't get those phone calls. Oh, you will, because kids are going to be kids, okay? But you won't get a lot of those. Your kid won't be the kid. Don't let your kid disrespect you. If they hit you, you better hit them back hard. It better sting. If you go, that's a no-no. You've wasted your time. You've taught them a lesson that it's funny and it's cute and it's okay. And when they're 14 and disobedient, defiant, disrespectful, and disobedient. Listen, you're not hurting their self-esteem. You're building their self-esteem. That's another lie we've bought. Oh, you got to build their self-esteem. That's nowhere in Scripture. That's nowhere in the Bible. Jesus never said, build your child's self-esteem. Paul never said, build. he said, you die to yourself. That's what the Bible says. It's not all about you. Listen, I got exhibit A. Stand up, Ethan. I did not tell my kids I was going to do this. I got exhibit A right here. This kid got the belt. He got the wooden spoon. He got timed out. He got grounded. He took his phone. I took his keys. And yet here he is, strong and firm in his convictions. If you don't believe me, argue with him. 
He knows what he believes, and he stands firm in his beliefs. Thank you. Have a seat. Exhibit B. Stand up. Kaylin is Exhibit B. She got the bells. <laughs> she got the wooden spoon. She got popped upside the mouth standing right there. Bless her heart. I had told her the next time. She was 14. The next time you smart off to me, I don't care where we are. I don't care if we're at the ball game around all your friends. I do not care where we are. I am the mother, and you will not speak to me that way. The next time I'm popping your mouth, circle of women right here, and she walks up and starts, I'm a little bit different. I don't mind if my kids interrupt me at church because we talk a lot at church, and if it's urgent and they need me, you know, I tell them just tap me on the shoulder, and I'll promise you I'll get to you. I don't remember what happened. I don't remember what she said. I just remember going, pow, just like that, right there. And yet here we are. Sassy, bold, knows what she believes in, stands up for the least of these. I didn't damage her self-esteem. I built her self-esteem. Thank you. Exhibit C, you can stand up. (laughs) Exhibit C got the belt when he was two. Not by me either. So you know it must have been bad. (laughs) Because the nice one whipped him with the belt. And yet, he's still a wild man. He still can't walk across the room without a picture falling off the wall and breaking. He's still fun. Everywhere he goes, he's just along for the party. He's easy to get along with. I didn't tear down Colton's self-esteem, and neither did Carrie. We built it. Thank you, Exhibit C. You can sit down. Exhibit D is not here today because he's serving the Lord in a church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And if anybody got it, of my four kids, he got it the worst because he was the first one. And I was really, really stupid when I raised him. But yet... I didn't tear down his self-esteem. I built his self-esteem. When kids think they're the center of the universe, that's a lie. Nowhere in recorded scripture did, every, did a mom try to fulfill every single one of her kids' greatest desires except Rebecca. She showed favoritism to her son, and she caused a rift between her kids that lasted for years. Next lie we believed. You can't give from an empty cup. Mom, you've got to fill yourself up. Mom, you've got to take some time for yourself. Mom, you've got to. I mean, you can't give to your kids if you're not giving to yourself. So we, what do we do? We run around trying to fill our cups. We binge watch on Netflix. We have a girls' night. We have a girls' trip. We go exercise. We have a weekend away with our husband. We read a book. We scroll for two hours. We get a hobby. We shop, dare I say. We drink a glass of wine, not we, some. Like, that's really going to help. There's nothing wrong with these things. I do all of these except drink a glass of wine. I binge Netflix. I have girls' nights. I go on girls' trips. Just went on a great one last weekend. I exercise. I know you can't tell it. I have a weekend away with my husband. I love to read a book. I scroll. I have a hobby, which is shopping, and I shop. (laughs) I do all these things. And you know what? You better do it too so that your kid knows that they're not the center of the world, so that your kid knows you're a person without them. I was a person before you, and I'm a person without you. I am more than just mom. But that is a lie from the pit of hell. You cannot give from an empty cup. You can only give the right way from an empty cup because what does the Scripture say? 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, Jesus All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, when my cup's empty and I go watch Netflix, that's good. I did that last night. I didn't feel good. I laid in my bed for about three hours, and I binge-watched my favorite show. 
But when that was over, I still didn't feel good. And my cup was still empty. But when I get my face off of Facebook and in the book, (laughs) to quote my husband, I come away and I'm different. I'm not the same person I was before I picked this book up. When I get on my face before God, I'm not the same person I was when I get up. You know what? Don't tell me you don't have time. Well, I work. I got five kids. I got this crazy husband. I got a crazy mother-in-law. You have time. You have time. If you watch a TV show, you got time for the book. If you scroll down Facebook, you got time for the book or Instagram or so whatever all that stuff you do. Whatever it is, you got time. Make time. Fill your cup with the things of God. Fill your cup with the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not walk away empty. You can give from an empty cup and you should give from an empty cup. See, when I drain me of all my energy, when I drain me of all my desires, when I drain me of all my goals, all my plans for the day. Moms, you ever had a day like that? You got your list in your phone. Today I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And you wake up and you go throughout your day and you worked harder today than you ever have before. And you go to bed that night and you pull out your phone and you go, I did not do one thing on this list of things that needs to be done. I remember those days. I just want to speak to that. This is not in my notes. I remember those days. I remember those days of... All, I, this man said it like this. He came to our church. He went through every, every church of the, um, in Revelations, all the seven churches. And I can't remember what church. I can't remember, but I remember this resonated in my spirit. He said, all day long, this church, they pick up dirty rice and they throw it. They pick up dirty rice and they throw it all day long. They get up the next morning and there's more dirty rice. And they pick up dirty rice and they throw it. And all they do, all day long, they spin their wheels just picking up dirty rice and throwing it. It's like this. I remember the years of feeling like motherhood. See, I, I didn't become a mom until I was 30. That's 30 years of living for me. It was very hard for me to go, he needs me every minute of every day. I was overwhelmed. I heard a lady in Sunday school say it like this. She said, it's like you get up, you go down to the beach at 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and you build this beautiful sandcastle. You spend all this time, all your this energy in building this beautiful sandcastle. And you're so excited. You take pictures of it, and you smile by it, and you take selfies. And you take, it's a beautiful sandcastle. You've got stories and, and a bridge, and the water runs through, and, and you built little people over here, and, and it's just this most amazing sandcastle. And you get up the next day, and you grab your kids, and you run down to the beach to show them the sandcastle, and it's gone. The waves have come, and they've, they've, they've knocked it over. So you start all over again, and you build the sandcastle, and you work so hard, and you, and you labor so hard, and you get the shovels, and you use the buckets, and you go back and forth to the water 115 times, and you build that sandcastle. It's beautiful. You get up the next morning, and you run down there and take your husband. You want to show him a picture, and it's gone. Those are hard years. Those are very hard years. I am not making light of how hard it is to be a mother four times over with a husband who pastored, and sometimes worked two and three other jobs. There were many days where I felt like I was a single mom for the sake of the ministry and for the sake of those children. It is not easy. You want to pull your head. Then, you, then they turn into teenagers, and they start getting this mind of their own, and their way of thinking isn't your way of thinking. And even for the ones that are, there's still this rub 
there's still this, they slam the door. They roll their eyes at you. This creature that you love so much, that you've given everything up for, that you want to see them so happy, and all of a sudden, teenage years take over, and they, I mean, I told one of my friends one time, I just feel like if I breathe, I'm in trouble at my house. Like, they don't even want to hear me breathe. And I had good kids. And I can't imagine when they act crazy, really act crazy. And then that rips the very heart out of the mommy's heart, especially those of you that raised your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And you raised them in church, and they turn from that. And it rips your heart. Then you got these grown kids. And they will not do what you think. They do not listen to you. You are the stupidest person on the planet. And it rips your heart. I am not by any means, please hear me out. I am not by any means diminishing what it means to be a mother. I am one. I know what it feels like. I have shed more tears over exhibit A, B, C, and D than I have anything else in my entire life. I have prayed more prayers over Hayden, Ethan, Kaylin, and Colton than I have prayed over anything or anybody in my entire life. I have put more thought, more planning, more thinking, more energy, more work into Hayden, Ethan, Kaylin, Colton than I have anybody else in my entire life. I'm not diminishing it. It's not easy. But don't buy the lie. That spoiled, spoiled kids are not happy kids. You go into an elementary school, and you find that kid that's always stomping, always mad. They're spoiled. Spoiled kids behave that. They're not happy. They do not become happy kids. Happy kids know their place. Happy kids understand that I do not make the universe go around. Happy kids are respectful and obedient children. I'm going to tell you. The playground parable. If you're in my Sunday school class, you've heard this before. But it's a real story. It's a par- I don't know why I call it a parable. Because it was a real study that they did in elementary schools. They went all across the country, and they did this research on, el- on playgrounds. The playgrounds that had a fence around it, the kids played all over the playground. The playground that had no fence, the kids stayed up close to the teacher. They weren't sure. They didn't know what their boundaries were. They were unsure. Unsure kids aren't free and happy. The Old Testament says, do not remove the ancient boundary set up by your fathers. They, if they know what their boundary, I just like Kaylin, I, I cannot tell you how many people would tell me, oh, when she's, I, I feel sorry for you when she's teenage. So many people, because she was loud and sassy and mouthy and, and hyper and confident and, you know, all these things when she was seven, eight years old. I told Carrie, I said, listen, you better preach a sermon on what not to say to the pastor's wife because the next person, the next person who says, oh, I feel sorry for you when she's a teenager, I'm throat punching them. Because I don't fear her when she's a teenager because I am the boss. And so this is what I've said about Kaylin all these years. Here's mom right here. Right down here, you can do or say, be anybody you want to be, but you better not cross that line because when you cross that line, there's me to face. And yet I have this beautiful um, outgoing, friendly, confident little girl. I didn't, I didn't squelch her self-esteem. I told her what her boundary was. Everybody needs to know what the boundary is. Don't you need to know what the speed limit is? Don't you need to know what a stop sign means? Colton couldn't pass his test until he knew what all the road signs were. Those are boundaries. We crave boundaries. No, I didn't mean it like he, 
I meant he had to study those things. I didn't mean that's why he didn't pass. <laughs> he passed. <laughs> Sorry about that, Colton. <laughs> we need boundaries. My mother used to say it like this. The state highway state department sets up boundaries for you all the time, and they don't even know your name. They don't know what your hair color is. They don't know what you like, what your favorite candy is. They don't know what your favorite TV show is. They don't know anything about you. Yet, they set up boundaries for you. They set up these roadblocks and these road signs to keep you safe. I set up boundaries for my children. It's for their benefit, not mine. I'm not sitting around trying to think, how can I make their life miserable? Oh, I'll tell them, no, they can't do this, or no, they can't do that. I, it's for their benefit, not mine. And I'm going to just go a little bit further down this rabbit hole. When they know you love them unconditionally, when they know that you're not sitting on the couch eating bonbons and that's why you don't want to take them to their friend's house. When they know you're, I, I remember this one Friday night, had all th these three right here. Hayden was gone, I guess, to college. Ethan wasn't driving yet. I don't know. So Ethan had something at church. So I drove him to the church. We were going to MacArthur at the time. So I guess he wasn't in college. I don't know where Hayden was. I drove him to the church, dropped him off at a something, something, something at the church. Took Kaylin, had a birthday party. Drove Kaylin over here back to Cabot. Dropped her off at her birthday party. Colton had a birthday party. Drove him over to this birthday party. Got out of the car. Actually had a little bit of adult conversation, about 15 minutes, before it was time to go back and pick Ethan up. Get back in the car. Drive back to Jacksonville, MacArthur. Pick Ethan up. Drive over here to the, to the um, birthday party. Picked Kaylin up. Drive over here to Colton's party. Pick him up. By this point, it's 930, and I'm exhausted, and I haven't really done anything except drive. I go home. On the way home, I told them, this is what your mom's Friday night looked like. And they started, I said, I used to be fun on Friday nights. I used to do things I like to do on Friday nights. But this is what my Friday night looked like. And they were like, oh, well, gosh, Mom, I'm so sorry. I said, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be sorry. This is what I want to do. This is why I had kids. Don't have kids if you're going to sit on the couch and watch TV and not take care of them. This is what I want to do. I want to do these things. I want you to do everything you want to do. So there's coming a day real fast. Oh, it was JBQ, so they must have been elementary school. I said, because there's going to come a day real fast when I'm going to say no. You can't go to that party. You can't spend the night with that friend. And when I say no, I want you to know. I want you to remember this. I'm going to bust my back, making sure you get to do everything you want to do. But when I say no, there's a good reason. Trust me. Trust me for why I said no. It's not because I don't want to get up off the couch. Because I'm going to get up off the couch and take you everywhere you want to be. But if I say no, there's a good reason. There is a good reason. Listen, today, in your gift bags, now don't leave me, okay? Stay with me, okay? Stay with me. I'm not fake. If you have a bad day and you call me, because a lot of you young moms do this, or text me, I'm struggling, please pray for me. I'm not going, oh, my gosh, he's complaining. I, I promise you I'm not doing that, okay? I don't mean have a moment where you are complaining. I'm talking about a lifestyle of complaining, okay? It, so today, in your gift bag, you have a journal, right, Kristen? In that journal, what we're going to do, we're going to, it's not a 40-day fast, thank God in heaven. It's a 40-day challenge. Every night before you go to bed, put, keep that, that, that journal beside your bed. And every single night before you go to bed, write three things that you are grateful for today. Having a grateful heart changes everything. Nikki, do you care if I just share a little bit of your story? We were on the girls trip and Nikki said, is anybody else having husband withdrawals? And I'm not going to say who, but some of them are. <laughs> 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 
We got back to our room, our room, and I said, Nikki, I'm proud of you. I'm impressed that that, that makes me happy that you miss your husband. She said, these were her words, if you knew what I've been through, you would understand why I miss him. I don't even remember what my point was. I kind of got off in that story. Oh, a grateful heart. Having a grateful heart. Listen, I, can, I love Kerry Rosenbaum. I can't live without him. I pray that he goes first. I go first. I mean, not him, me. I, I, I love him. He is everything he preaches times 10. He is honest to a fault. He's gracious. He's kind. He's hard to fight with because he's nice. Okay? I love him, but I could fill a book with things I don't love. He could fill a book about me with things he don't love. Let's fill a book of everything that we have to be grateful for. Every night I want you to write in that journal three things that you are grateful for regarding your children, your home, your marriage. I don't care if it's your job. I don't care what it is. Three things today that I am, the, that I am grateful for that happened today. That ha- All you young people that aren't moms yet, get a journal. Get you a journal. And I know you may already have one, but this one specifically is your grateful journal. You're going to sit it by your nightstand, and on your nightstand, and you're going to every single night write something that you are grateful for. Amen? I want you to stand up. I want to say one more time, I am not judging you. I am not judging you. I am guilty. I am guilty of the words that have come out of my mouth that have not been good words about parenting. In Numbers, the Lord spoke to the children of Israel, and he said, I will do to you the very thing that you spoke with your mouth. When Rachel and Leah, when Rachel could not have children, she went before the Lord and she said, give me children lest I die. And he did that, and she died. When she gave birth the last time, she took her last breath. Be careful what comes out of your mouth regarding your children. Oh, they're probably going to act a fool when they grow up. Don't say that. They're going to live for God when they grow up. The defining moments of my motherhood experience came from the times I fell on my face before God. The defining moments of my motherhood experience came from the moments I fell on my face before God. I can take you to my first Cabot house that Carrie and I bought. We bought it when I was pregnant with Hayden. I can take you to the very spot where I got on my face and the Lord spoke to me and challenged me and changed me. In our Newport house, we lived in the parsonage. I remember the day that I walked in that den with my hands up going, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot do it the way you've called me to do it. You have to help me. In the second Newport house, I remember laying upstairs on the bedroom floor of my kids when they were sleeping, crying my eyes out to God, inviting him in to my motherhood, my parenting experience, and guess what? He came. In the Cabot rent house, I remember sitting in the bathroom floor, crying my eyes out, going, God, I don't know how to raise a teenage boy in today's world. i got to have your help. And in the house I live in right now, fell to my knees at the front door. I was walking the circle praying, and I remember falling to my knees at the front door, praying over my kids. Those are my defining moments as a mother. Not Dr. Phil, not Dr. Laura, and I love Dr. Laura. But when I was on my face before God or I had my face in this book, those were my defining moments. Are you empty today? Are you empty? Have you given all that you've known to give? Have you done everything that you know to do? 
It seems like the more I pray, I had this mom just text me this week. The more I pray, God is, she said, I'm weary. I'm weary of praying the same prayer for the same people who don't care about God. My soul is weary. She doesn't live here. She doesn't live in this town, so it ain't nobody here. She said, my soul is weary of praying for people who don't give a rip about God. Are you tired and weary? Today you're going to come to this altar, Mom. And you're going to let the Holy Spirit fill you up. You're going to let the Holy Spirit do something supernatural. I've said it a hundred times. Ten minutes in the presence of God can do more than ten years of therapy. I believe in therapy. My daughter wants to be a therapist. My best friend is a therapist. I believe in therapy. But ten minutes in the presence of God can do more for you than all the Netflix binge watching, all the girls trips, girls nights, weekends away, 10 minutes in God's presence. Would you come, moms? Would you come and just line up? All females, as a matter of fact. If you are a female because someday you will be a mom, will you come and stand across the front of this sanctuary? And we're going to do business. We're going to talk to God. We're going to let God do what he does best. And that is fill us up. Fill us up so that we can do what God has created us to do. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads just a moment? Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I have spoken the word that I know you. I'm not smart enough to come up with this. Lord, this was your word, not mine. And I pray in the name of Jesus that now you would take over. And now you would do in the supernatural what we cannot do in the natural. Lord, you fill us so full of you, so full of the power and the presence of God. Lord, that when we walk out of here, there's a bounce in our step. There's joy in our soul. Lord, return to every single woman standing down here the joy of their salvation. Lord, parenting is supposed to be a fun thing. It's supposed to be a joyous experience. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you return to every single one of us the joy of our salvation right now. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grow your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.